Well, good morning. Good morning. I hope you sense the goodness of God with you today. Have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? You don't have to answer the question. You don't have to tell me how many times that you've broken a promise. Because I think we have all been there at some point. It might have been a little promise. It might have been a big promise. As a minister of religion, by official title, and a registered religious marriage celebrant, it is my great responsibility to make sure people will hold to one of the biggest promises they will ever make. Well, that changes the feel for you a little, doesn't it? <laughs> Some people consider that, uh, that responsibility as a service, that they come and ask, will you marry us? And it's a service we offer back, but I consider it as much a responsibility to sit and consider, is this a service I'm willing to provide? It's my moral, my ethical and spiritual responsibility to discern whether they are the right people to enter into marriage. I want to set people up for success. I don't want to lead people to brokenness. In the first year of my theological studies, um, I've shared before, uh, me and some friends, we, we go bowling quite often, and we actually had gone bowling often, so often, for a big enough period of time, we actually sort of created a second team that, that like, our... our girlfriends were in so we had like two teams there and and uh, one of my mates uh whose whose partner his girlfriend at the time fiance at the time uh was in the other team came to me uh, at bowling one night and asked me um if I was able to marry them uh now I actually think it was quite fortunate that I wasn't able to marry them at that stage of where I was at uh because I would have I would have been so keen. That would have been great. I'd love to. What a privilege. Um, but anyway, they, they, they got married. I, I wasn't able to do it for them. Um, they, they had a great first year of marriage. They had some financial struggles. Uh, after a few years, they ended up moving down to Geelong in, in, uh, because of work that they got there. And, and me and the mates, we sort of lost contact a bit with that friend of ours. And every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, have you heard from Francis? No, okay. Um, then after quite a while, we sort of noticed some changes on, on their online uh, social media stuff. And, and somebody eventually asked a question. We discovered that these guys had separated. Uh, and I think we all felt really sad and sore for it because, because we didn't know and we weren't able to support in the journey for, for either of them. And, and I must admit that I was glad when, when I... Well, let me phrase, get this in the right way. When I found out, knowing that I didn't perform that marriage, I was quite glad. Uh, because selfishly I thought... I don't, I don't want to, well, I don't want to lead anyone to a marriage of brokenness. And in hindsight, looking back and uh, knowing, you know, understanding a bit more that these guys were quite young and, and gung-ho and enthusiastic, um, but perhaps there needed to be a bigger journey of wisdom before they made such a decision. Now, I can't even pretend to imagine the pain 
the hurt and the sorrow that they experienced. I haven't been in something like that myself. The many reasons that can lead couples to a place like that, I can't even fathom. I think we would all know someone or some people who have been to a space like this. We know its effects, that it affects more than just the two involved, it affects so many more. We wouldn't wish it upon anyone else. Neither would God. Now, of course, we are allowed to choose our own way. Have you ever been warned by a parent not to do something and you've gone ahead and done it anyway? <laughs> George is saying no. Yeah, either he's telling fibs or he was really scared of his parents. No. <laughs> I know for a fact multiple soccer balls were lost at school despite being told not to take the soccer ball to school. Be careful when you're driving and it's wet. Made that mistake as well. Don't say I love you too quickly. Oh. Whoops. Don't stand on a rake. It'll hit you in the head. I was 16 at the time. And you know how you've seen it in cartoons and you go, oh, gee. As a 16-year-old, you think, surely, if I, like, deliberately watching this strike, surely I have the ability to stand on this and get out of the way. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Fortunately, while being in the yard with my father, he was facing the other direction, asking what was that noise. I didn't know what he was talking about. When God delivered the Israelites out of exile, Nehemiah reminded the Israelites of what God desired when it came to their marriages because it would enable them to be God's faithful people. Sadly, as we read in Malachi, his message, what we look at today, we read how they didn't heed God's desire. This morning is all about relationships and understanding God's for marriage. Anyone do pre-reading in preparation for this morning? Anyone read the passage already? We'll dive in together. Six verses, but they're not short. Let's read. Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another. Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail 
because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and your wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit. And do not break faith with your wife, with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in spirit and do not break faith. Before we go any further, I want to encourage you to hear the heart that God shares. These words aren't easy words for a father to say to a child. Looking through the biblical speak here, God is speaking about breaking faith in relation to marrying people of different faiths and speaking about divorce. Because these things can have a detrimental effect on our our faithfulness to God. It's all about marriage. And I realise that these are strong words from God. So let me say, before we go any further, God really cares about who we marry and he cares about the health of our marriages. This morning, there's two understandings for us. There's one understanding for those of us who aren't married and are uh, are single now. God wants to express that God knows that compromise weakens If you're not in marriage, hear that God knows that compromise weakens faith. Now, God didn't instruct them not to marry people from other nations for ethnic or cultural reasons. It was because it would lead to apostasy. So that's separating from God. It says, Judah has broken faith by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. It's interesting to note that by marrying someone on a, of a different faith equated to breaking faith. And it gives an insight to what is going on in the heart. God knows what's best for us. And therefore, he's kind enough to tell us so. And what will be best for us. As soon as we stray from that, we are saying to God, I know better than you. You might want me to find someone that shares the faith with me, but but I've already found someone, God. And we're saying to God that, you know, while you might be all knowing, well, I know better in this circumstance. And as soon as we replace our knowledge over God's, then we become the God in our life. 
think sometimes as soon as we're pursuing that path, no matter how well we can justify it, no matter how good the justifications are, I've heard other people use, our faith has already become compromised by coming to that point where we choose our understanding over God's. Paul in the New Testament says it with these words when he warns the Corinthian church. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light, uh, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What does a believer have in common with an unbelievable? Now the word yoked is an agricultural term. We can uh, have a look at a yoke here. A yoke was used to join, uh, to join two animals together to uh, make sure that they had the same purpose. So that as the farmer would go along and as the, the, the cattle or ox would pull the cart or whatever it was pulling along, it would ensure that they headed in the same direction. God encourages us to be yoked together to make sure that we and whoever we might marry would be heading in the same direction. You can imagine the success or perhaps failure of how they would go if one of those was facing the opposite direction to the other. Or perhaps we took it away and they came side by side, but nothing was joining them together. You can imagine the pain from the whip from the farmer to be constantly going, hey, you need to get back together, you need to head in the same direction, come on! It wouldn't go so well for us, the pain and the hurt that would be involved. This is the picture he has for us when finding the one for us to share our lives with, to be yoked, to make sure we are heading in the same direction. Now you might think, oh, but I don't have, I do have so much in common with this person though. Oh, so much in common. Oh, we both enjoy books. We have the same sense of humour. We both just get each other. But faith undergirds everything. Even if you build a, a good-looking house that looks great and the walls are fine and the roof, oh, the roof does a job and how good is this? If the foundation is not right, then the cracks will slowly work through the rest of the house. I think sometimes when we're tempted into these relationships with somebody who doesn't share the same faith with us and we, we proceed, we, we often have the thought of, well, God might bring them to faith. Maybe they can, he can use me. Either, three, either of three things will happen. Either they will come to faith. Fantastic. Either you'll be taken away from your faith. Or either the marriage will fall apart. Only one of those is a positive result. I'm not a betting man, but two out of three is not odds I want to go into something with. Never have I ever, and I've seen it happen dozens of dozens of times, have I seen somebody become closer to God through an intimate relationship with someone who doesn't believe in God. 
there's a term that I, some young people I know use. They say, oh, flirt to convert. Yeah, that's, that's the procedure. Flirt to convert. Now, God is a God of miracles. He is a God of the unbelievable. People do come to Christ through their partner after the relationship has started. But it's, that's because God's power supersedes our wrong choices. It's because God is the one who does the saving and not you and your relationship. When God does bring something like that, it is a tremendous celebration. It is an absolute blessing. But you've got to understand that that blessing isn't for you. It's for God and his relationship with that person. It's worth celebrating. But the compromise, as I said before, has already happened. And while God might be celebrating the state of his relationship with that new Faith believer, he's mourning the compromise that has already been made. Now the second understanding that we can get from this scripture is for those of us who are married or have been married. And God wants you to know that God hurts when we don't have the best. Verse 13, onwards. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your your marriage covenant. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to use the word hate these days. We try and shy away from that. I don't want to use such a strong word, except for those few people we reserve it for, maybe. God hates divorce. And although these words might seem like the scorning words of a father, they also reflect the words of a mourning God that feels the pain that we're in. I'm going to say it again. God hurts when we don't have the best. He doesn't ever want to see us go through it. He doesn't want to see our circumstances get to a point that needs it. He doesn't want the sorrow that's already happening. He doesn't want the pain. He doesn't want the resentment to be in our lives. God hurts for what brings people to that place. And I think he hurts as much because of the hurt that we feel. Not necessarily because of the end result, but the place and the space we have to go through to be there. A popular scripture at weddings is Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And it's correct. 
the a significant more amount of force is needed to be able to break a rope of three strings. Even if you have two pieces of rope next to each other, that still requires a amount of force. And if we intertwine those two bits of rope, then, then there's, it, it takes a little bit more force. When we add that third strand, that is God, an exponential amount of more force is needed to break that. Can you imagine the force and the repercussions when that rope snaps? We can have a look at it. With enough time, forces acting in the right ways from the right directions. With enough hurt, it will snap. Who pays the cost? We, the individuals in, in that, pay the cost. The partner pays the cost. God also suffers and pays the cost with us. God hurts as well. Now, human frailty, we sometimes lash out the, at the things that are closest to us. And as we know in the Christian faith, that God is always near. And sometimes, therefore, we lash out at God. And we think to ourselves, God, you're right there. How did you let this happen? Why would you want this to happen? If you're right there, why don't you help me? But I want to encourage you to know that God isn't just near, but over there. God is hurting with you right in the middle of it all. He's not standing off like a condemning father. Saying, oh, how did you get yourself into this circumstance? I can't believe the decisions you're going to make here. That's not our God. God is there right with us, hurting with us. And sometimes we just feel like we need someone to hug, someone to embrace. Or God is sitting there with us saying, embrace me. I feel your hurts. I know your hurts. I am here with you. I want to continue with this, with, uh, through this with you. He doesn't ever want us to get to a place where we need to go through divorce. Because he knows the damage has already been done to us. Don't ever forget the words that Jesus said to Paul. Paul says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is sufficient for you. If you feel any shame, any guilt, any responsibility, if you're still feeling sorrow, Yes, God doesn't like divorce, but he likes you a whole lot more than that. He likes you so much that he's going to look past that. That doesn't matter compared to you and his relationship with you. 
He knows your circumstances. He's know, he knows why you've gotten to that point and made that decision. He doesn't want you to be chained up by it anymore because his grace is sufficient for you. He says, I have set you free. Embrace me as I have felt your hurts and I will make you whole again. The best is yet to come. The Bible tells us, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Our hope is in the Lord. The best is yet to come. God will bring us through these tough times. Now I know, I've never known anyone who's approached marriage with a thought of, ah, well, if this doesn't work out, I can just try again. I've never known anyone to think that. Have you heard about the guy who expressed his doubts to his wife about their marriage while he was still on their honeymoon? Well, of course not. You haven't heard from him since at all. Whether you've been married for 40 years, whether you've been married for 15 years, whether you've been married for two, whether you're engaged, whether you're doing something, uh, some dating, whether you're on the hunt, on the prowl, or whether you're just single and pretty happy not to mingle right now. There's one application for wherever you sit for us this morning. One application that I've got from Malachi 2, 10 to 16. Don't settle for second best. If you've ever watched a Rugby World Cup grand final, or perhaps a netball gold medal match, or an AFL grand final, I, uh, I'm going to warn you now, if you're not a Richmond supporter... You might like to avert your eyes. I'm not a Richmond supporter, but here's an example for us if you can see it. If you've ever watched one of these things, then you know the sheer and raw joy that those players have have once that final whistle blows. That excitement. I think we can feel it through the TV screen sometimes. We, we, we know the feeling that they have, even though we're not there. That's what God wants for you. To be able to live in intimate relationship in sheer joy. Now, I'd suggest you've never seen the captain of the opposition team get up and say... Well, boys, well, team, well, coaching staff, we're the second best team, yeah! They don't do that, do they? They say to them, they say, you know what? We're going to come back better. We're, we want this more. We're going to be back next year and we're going we're to win the grand final. God doesn't want us to settle for second best. Verse 16, so guard yourself in spirit and do not break faith. Has anyone ever done fencing before? On guard? 
Oh yeah, one hand, yeah. On guard is what they, they often say. Now, I would tell you, I've never done it myself, but I would tell you that if someone lunged at me, I need to do something to guard myself. I wouldn't fare so well if I just went, oh, you got me. <laughs> we need to be active. We need to be purposeful and intentional in guarding ourselves. In making sure that we don't find ourselves settling for second best. It takes a purposeful mind to have a patient heart. If you find yourself waiting for God to bring you the love of your life, don't be like Abraham who takes it into his own hands. He compromised. Just because they make you happy. I want to encourage you, be patient. Wait until God brings you the best that he has for you. If you're you're in the dating scene, it might not seem much of a bother now. And you might think, ah, well, who you date, doesn't really matter if they're not interested in Christ. But I tell you, it will save you much pain down the track if you listen to God's wisdom. Don't settle for second best. And for anyone who is married, if your marriage feels like it's second best, or if it's worse, or if it's not what it was, I want to encourage you, don't settle for that. It's time to be more purposeful. Don't let it stay that way. Consider what has changed. Maybe start penciling in date nights again if you don't have date nights anymore. Take a step to surprise each other. Make an effort to be romantic for no reason at all. Figure out what has changed. Figure out what you're not doing and what you could do because God doesn't want you to have a second best marriage. God wants you to strive and be purposeful for a marriage that is glorifying him, that is glorifying each one of you, and that is building your faith up in him. We don't have to settle for second best. We have the promise that things can be better. So let's be purposeful to ensure that the best is yet to come. As the worship team come forward, let me pray. Father God, Lord, it's not easy because our life goes in so many different ways. And God, if we find ourselves, Lord, in something that we find that is not enough. Lord, we ask for your grace. Lord, that we would know that you're hurting as much as we are. And God, that you are in it with us. God, we ask that you will keep us faithful to you in all things, no matter which way our life goes. And God, that we would always have our eyes forward, knowing, Lord, that you are still preparing the best to come for us.
in your name we pray.